The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking. We are here, live, in person, for the 65th live show, courtesy of the East Middle Public Library, in front of a live studio audience. Yeah. I'm here with none other than Elman Jenny Kelly. Good evening. Good evening. And we're here with our special guest we're going to talk to you two about, which is awesome because he's here. We have a crochet guru. Would that be a great title for you? I think I like that. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So, I waited uh, to speak until we started. Right. I was saving everything for the show. So we haven't spoken yet. Okay. Mm-hmm. So as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about Brittany in just a few minutes. But before we do that, we have to take it away with the news. It's morphin' time! The news is brought to you in part by Fine Folks of Sci-Fi that Radio. That's Sci-Fi for your lifetime. As well as the Fine Folks of the Big Apple Con, which we are the official radio show of, celebrating our 27 years of competence and pop culture stuff. For more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com. The next convention is scheduled for March 25th and 26th of this year. And I believe tickets are on sale right now. Also, want to give out shout-outs to our patrons, of which there are... Danny Grove, award-winning director Jared Burrell, Kyle Horn, Millie Cortez, Newsday Famous, Rizzo Media, Hornsplum, Shadow Art, Yasmin Ray, Rosa, and Oricon. You want to have your own little shout-out, go to our website, www.camptherino.com, and just wait all month and get a shout-out on our show. We greatly appreciate it. As always, we start with the sad news, and we have a couple of just the sad news, so we're going to just burn them as quickly as possible. Please. Actress Lisa Loring has died recently from a stroke caused by hypertension while appearing in such shows slash movies as The Cruise of Southampton, As the World Turns, Blood Frenzy, Ice, and Savage Harbor, just name a few. Lisa was perhaps best known for her portrayal of the original Wednesday Addams in the sitcom The Addams Family, which ran from 1964 to 1966 on ABC. Of note, she reprised the role of Wednesday in the makes for TV film Halloween with the new Addams Family alongside the original cast members of the series. She was 64. Were you a fan of uh, the one that happens down there, Jane? Of course. I was just talking about it, as this always happens on the show. I'm talking about it, and then it's a topic on the show. Yeah. What about you, Brittany? Were you a fan of the Adam family, the original show? I definitely did grow up watching the Adams family. Um, I have I have not yet watched the, the most recent Netflix yeah, original yet, but I did grow up in the Adams family. Okay, so moving on for more sad news. Um, actress and producer Cynthia Jane Williams, better known as Cindy Williams, also died recently after a short illness. While appearing in such films slash TV movies as <gasps> Beware the Blah, American Graffiti, with its sequel, More American Graffiti, The Creature Wasn't Nice, The Joy of National Childbirth, We're Awakening, Lee Wally Sparks, Waiting in the Wings, Still Waiting, The Funny Side, Joanna, Help Wanted Kids, 
Normal life, many of them are getting by, except her husband, strip mall, and drive, just to name a few. Cindy is perhaps best known for her role as Shirley Feeney, which I had no idea that was her last name, for 159 episodes of the series of Vernon Shirley from 1976 to 1982. Of note, her character was originally featured on the series Happy Days for three episodes, and Cindy was also the voice of her animated counterpart for 13 episodes of the series of Vernon Shirley in the Army. Um, I was a big Vernon Shirley fan. And there was a show called um, Sam and Cat that was on Nickelodeon, I believe. And they had a reunion of the two cast members. And it was really cool just to see them back together once again. Because if you may not be aware, the show ended on um, unpleasant terms between the two actresses. Uh, Cindy Williams was uh, pregnant at the time. And she asked to be, uh, and they said that she had to go to work on the day she was going to have birth. So they fired her. And they continued on the show without her. So uh, Laverne Shirley was not. Surely, so surely, let's see the two actors come back together. It was kind of nice. Were you a fan of the Vernon show? Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I don't want to disrespect the dead. It's, it's always a tricky part in the show because it, you have to talk about people who just died, and I don't want to say the wrong thing, so okay. I go quiet in this part of the show. Okay, uh, Brittany, are you a Vernon Shirley fan? Um, I I did watch Laverne and Shirley as a kid. I, I watched a lot of. Uh, was, did it play on Nick at Night? I believe it, it may have been, yeah. So she was 75. Alright, we got two more business that needs to go through. I'm going to be as quickly as possible. Actress Annie Mershing also died recently from an unspecified cancer. While carrying such shows as General Hospital, Bosch, Excent, The Vampire Diaries, Timeless, Runaways, and The Rookie, just in a few. I, anymore, know her best in her role as Renee Walter on Fox Series 24, where she played agent, uh, against Agent Jack Bauer and kind of followed the same path. Um, if you guys who are fans of uh, 24, it started off a little more like a drama and became more of an action type show that went along. And uh, Keith Sutherland played like a, a straight-laced um, agent. And then as he got along, he did more and more to do things that needed to get done for the show to happen, to get whatever mission that he needed to accomplish. So Renee was also a very innocent, um, by-the-book character in the beginning, and you can see this she was following the same arc, which I thought was very cool. And the way her character resolved uh, what happened to her was really interesting, and it was really impactful on the show. Were you fans of 24 films? Um, no, but the no. next topic, yes. Oh, next, all right. What are you reading? 24 minutes? I never watched 24. That was something that, uh, my mom and my dad watched. That was kind of like a show that they watched together. They never really invited me and my brother to watch it because we were kids at the time. Mm-hmm. I guess they figured we wouldn't be interested. So, no, I, I never jumped on the 24 train. Not very old now. <laughs> uh, moving on to the last bit of sad news. Actor and stuntman. George Peter Wilbur also died recently, as of this recording, which is February 8, 2023. No cause of death has been announced. While performing in numerous roles over his 40-year career, George is perhaps most well-known for his role of Michael Myers in the original Halloween Part 4, The Return of Michael Myers. He was 81. You were a fan of uh, Halloween Michael Myers again? Yeah, Michael Myers, the statue kept me up at night for several days because I watched uh, True Blood and I couldn't sleep in my own bed and I had to drive over to my dad's house and sleep in his living room for three days because True Blood scared me so much and they had a gigantic Michael Myers and I would wake up with one eye open and say, okay, right arm up, left arm down, he better not have moved. He better not have moved. Yeah, this 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 happened in 2012 or 2013. I'm 38 now. You know, not that long ago. <laughs> yeah. Michael Myers 
I'm, I would call myself a fan of all things horror. I, I really love horror stuff. I kind of love being scared. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. I don't really get scared by too many things. So I'm one of those people at, at like a, a haunted house, whatever, in the season, uh, just going to watch other people's reactions because I never actually get scared by anything. Uh, but yes, I'm, I'm definitely a horror fan. Love Mike Myers. Fair enough, he was 81. So that's it for the sad news, and we're on to not a sad news. From the... That's a lot of nuts! Department. The new film... I lost my button. The new horror mystery film, uh, Knock at the Cabin, has taken the number one spot in the domestic box office, pulling in $14 million in ticket sales, and its first week release, beating out the comedy, 80 for Brady, which came in at number two, and dethroned the new Avatar sequel, from its reign at number one for seven weeks. For those of you keeping track, the aforementioned Avatar sequel is still the highest grossing film of this year so far, with $236 million, followed by Puss in Boots with $95 million. Uh, not that the cabin comes in at number eight. I have still meant to see Avatar, I'm gonna get around to it, but I'm surprised that it only lasted seven weeks and now it's kicked off by a no. movie. You're not surprised? No. Why are you not surprised? This boring. Avatar seems boring. It seems really boring. Yeah. Did you see the original Avatar? No, it looked boring. It looked like Wakanda. I hated Wakanda. It was bored. Really? So yeah. You're an Avatar fan? Uh, I, I I did watch the first Avatar. I did not watch the most recent Avatar, but I've I've been a fan, you know, since Avatar it? since it I would I would say watch the first one first. Okay. I have not seen the newest one, so I can't you know, the first. Say, I'm sure it's amazing, uh, but the first one is, is great. I would definitely recommend you watch it. It's kind of like a, another version of like Pocahontas. Okay. I, oh, okay. I, I got, yeah. Alright, so moving on. From the How Is This A Thing follow-up department. After the blowback of nominating a 12-year-old actress for a Razzie, none other than the Razzies have not only removed Actress Ryan Kira Armstrong, who is up for Worst Actress in a Movie for Firestarter, from the ballot, but also announced an age limit for all future nominations. You remember we talked about this, mm-hmm. that uh, they, they were getting backlash because they nominated an actor, yeah. actress as the Worst Actor for the Year. Uh, Ryan says, <clears throat> sometimes you do things without thinking, and then you're called out for it. Then you get it. It's why the Razzies were created in the first place. The recent ballot criticism of the choice of an 11-year-old Armstrong, 11 at the time, uh, the nominee from one of our awards brought our attention to how insensitive we've been in this instance. As a result, we have removed Armstrong's name from the final ballot that our members will cast next month. We also believe a public apology is owed to Ms. Armstrong, and we wish to say we regret any hurt she experienced as a result of our choices. Having learned from this lesson, we would also like to announce that, from this point forward, we are adopting a voting guideline precluding any performer or film under the age of 18 from being considered in our awards. Since our model is only your bad, we realize that ourselves, we must also live up to it. So the audience, are you familiar with the Razzies? You know, it's the worst of all things? Okay. So, they nominated a kid actor, and then the internet went crazy, and they backed off. So I think, personally, I think, it's, it's, just, it's, it's just a joke. Like, it's, it's, it's just an award like any other award. Yeah. And it's all about the, to make fun of it. I don't see how insensitive it was, but maybe mm-hmm. I'm wrong on this. Uh, generally, yeah. it? I mean, it's a joke, and I usually think all rules and limits are, or most, I, I can't stand them, but in this case, 
as someone who likes to make bad movies, I'm in bad movies, I don't care if you make fun of me, I don't care if you're laughing with me or at me, stand up, film, I don't care. Um, I'm looking back to when I was 12, I don't think I would love, I don't think I would embrace being, uh, being told that my work is bad at 12, but at 38, it's like, yeah, that's the worst movie you ever saw? Wow, that's so cool. But 12, it might cry. So even me, I don't know anyone who wants to be in bad movies more than me. And I would be like, maybe really sad and cry. Maybe they're being smart, because I don't think at that age you have the mental fortitude to even decipher what's going on in the world. Um, I am unfamiliar with the Razzies. Mm. I mean, I guess the the genre of that, like, if you like it, you like it, you know, whatever, if if you're interested in stuff like that. Uh, I think in in terms of applying that to a child who has not yet reached legal age for anything, I think that's a little unfair because think about child actors, how much say do they have in being an actor in the first place Mm -hmm. and then whatever roles they decide to take, like they probably have little to no input on that. Mm -hmm. So I think for something like that, a child actor, I think that's absolutely... I, I think that's that's an irresponsible thing for for a child to have been nominated for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it was just an irresponsible decision. They probably, you know, after the backlash, they they thought better on it. I don't think any actor under the age of eighteen should be subjected to be nominated for something like yeah. that, especially since they don't really have much, you know, say on their decisions in life at that point. Right. So moving on, let's see. Okay, let's do this from the. This is one way to ruin a company department. AMC Theaters has announced sightline pricing, which will have moviegoers pay a different price depending on where they're seated in the theater. There will be three different seat pricing options. The first is standard sightline, which is regular price seats. Then there's value sightline, which is the front row and selected ADA seats. And then there's preferred sightline, which is described as the seat in the middle of the auditorium and a price at a premium to standard sideline seats. Executives say, <clears throat> sideline at AMC more closely aligns with AMC seat pricing approach to that of many other entertainment venues, offering experience-based pricing and other ways for moviegoers to find value at the movies. While every seat at the AMC theater delivers an amazing moviegoing experience, we know that there are some moviegoers who prioritize their specific seat and others who prioritize value moviegoing. Sightline and AMC accommodates both sentiments to help ensure that our guests have more control over their experience that every trip to AMC is a great one. Now, as I mentioned many times on the show, I used to work in movie theater for 10 years. And this is something that they've been wanting to do for a long time. But because the speech were crappy back in the day, they couldn't entertain that thought. Then you notice that they started doing this fancy special piece that they started having. Then they started doing assigned seats. So they moved the line just a little bit every time to finally get, after 15, 20 years, for them paying separate prices for wherever you sit in the deal. What do you guys think of that, Jen? Well, this is labeled as how to ruin a company. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't, you don't think it's ruining. How would it ruin it? Uh, you don't think that people are not going to go to movie theaters? 
less because now they're charging more for the same. Well, wait, the same are they charging more than now for that, or so, are they charging? We get a deal on using the crappy seats. So no, the, the crappy seats are. So now it's going to be even more expensive. The crappy seats, the crappy seats are regular price. That's okay. the price right now, same price. But they're so if you want to sit on the right hand side or what's on the left hand side, or yeah, that's yeah. regular price. Yeah. If you want to sit in the middle, sure, you have sure. to pay more. But, and if you want to but is it more than more. now? Yes, it is more than now. The then not good. Then not good. Okay. Because tickets are not high enough. Okay. So yeah, but if you were going to be within the scope of the prices now, and like now you're going to get a deal up here, and you're going to get the regular price, you know, the current price in the middle, sure. No. But now we're going to raise it. Yeah. Okay, I don't know. Brendan, what are your thoughts? Uh, I don't. I don't really go to the movies myself. I, I feel like it is a, a blatant money grab, mm-hmm. kind of for everything in terms of the movies. I'm I'm patient. I can wait until it's streaming somewhere to watch it or whatever. That's just my personal thing. But otherwise, I, I think it's that's kind of just like the trend of where where you know the world is going at this point. You pay for better mm-hmm. spots for whatever, whether it's at the movies now or whether you're flying on a plane. Like you, mm-hmm. you, you pay extra money for more optimal places. So it it seems to be trending in, in the way that this world is trending. So I personally don't feel any type of way about it, but I, I'm sure plenty of people will be upset over it. But I don't know. Everything is expensive now. So well said. So moving on. From the, this is another way to ruin the company department. None of us speaking of streaming services. Netflix has announced that starting soon in the U.S., they will be cracking down on people sharing passwords. As posted on their website, which was later removed in the U.S., but still being rolled out in other countries, it's safe that accounts are still shareable, but only within a single household to ensure that devices with access to the account are associated with the designated primary location. Netflix will now ask users to connect to the corresponding Wi-Fi network once every 31 days to watch something. Signing into Netflix outside your home may lead to the device being blocked, and Netflix account holders may request a temporary code from the service when signing in, which will grant them access for a seven consecutive days. In addition, the amount of devices that can simultaneously access Netflix account in one location are corresponding with the following tier. You have the basic ads, which is one device, you have the basic, which says ten dollars a month for one device. You can have the standard, which is normally you only get two devices now, and the premium at twenty bucks to get four devices. Uh, last year, once again in other countries outside the United States, Netflix began charging users three dollars when someone outside their home access an account. So, Brittany, since you stay home and watch stuff on Netflix or streaming services, what do you think of that? Honestly, not a fan. Um, I, I I do feel that. There is a very large money grab there. Uh, that's that's something I'm I'm not super great with. But at at the end of the day, if Netflix keeps putting out the the good Netflix originals that they're putting out, I'm I'm gonna pay whatever price they're asking. And honestly, I think they're taking advantage of the fact that they know most people will feel the same way. I mean, I, I, I think they're entitled to, to their money. I don't see it as really a problem. Uh, it's not that much more money. There's a lot on there. Most people are, not most, but many people are canceling their cable, not going to movies. So for five to ten more dollars, I don't know. I still see it as a, as a pretty good deal. 
And, uh, you know, Netflix shouldn't be screwed because I want to <laughs> share, I can say screwed, you know, because I want to share it with, you know, my friend in San Francisco. Like that's, I don't know. I feel like we've been exploiting Netflix for a while. So now they're getting theirs and they're getting smart, get smart. Cause how long it's been 10, 15 years, right? Where people have been sharing their passwords and exploiting them. So let them make a little money. Huh? Sure. Yeah. And if I ever have special on Netflix, then, you know, I want people to pay for it. Oh, so, sure. So, but remember, they're not paying for your special, they're just paying yeah. for the service and then they watch the special. Yeah, well maybe some of it will trickle with me. I don't know. You would think I have an aunt that works at Netflix. I don't. <laughs> Alright, so let's see. We have enough time for one last bit of news. We're going to go with. <clears throat> From the, the show must go on follow-up department. Despite the civil case being resolved, the criminal case and the shooting of Helena Hutchinson of Biogold and the filming of Russ seems to be moving forward as the Santa Fe District Attorney and Special Prosecutor announced that Alec and Russ Armour, Hannah Gutierrez Reed will be charged with two counts of voluntary manslaughter. According to the DA's office, the two charges of voluntary manslaughter are differentiated. One determines that there was an underlying negligence and the other requires that there was more than simple negligence in Hutchinson's death. Uh, both charges are fourth-degree felonies, punishable by up to 18 months in jail and a $5,000 fine. That seems a little bit low. Um, the latter charge also includes a firearm enhancement penalty, which is punishable by a mandatory of five years in jail. Now, we've been talking about this for a while, so yeah. what are your thoughts on how this is moving forward in jail? Well, next time I do a gun scene, I'm going to be checking to make sure it doesn't have bullets so I don't end up like this guy. I mean, he has, like, what, six to, six kids, Alec Baldwin? So if he's in jail, that's going to really be a problem for all his children. Uh, there's going to be a lot of Spanish slurs uttered in that household by a woman who pretends to be Spanish, the mother. I, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I don't feel in my gut like Alec Bolt was intentionally trying to murder someone that day. So right. To put him away it seems a little crazy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. What about you, Bernie? Are you aware of the whole Russ situation? Uh, not, I'm, I'm not super duper familiar with it, but I, but from what I have heard, I, I know it's just an extremely unfortunate situation that I'm sure literally everyone involved wishes did not happen. So, that's 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 all I can say. It's an extremely unfortunate situation. I don't think any harm was meant by any party involved whatsoever. Alright, so with that we're going to uh, take our break. So we'll be right back with the camping radio in front of a live studio audience. Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or a product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. Hey, this is Ty Monk, a.k.a. Bruce Leroy from The Last Dragon, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Hey, guys, this is Kari Payton. You're listening to It Came From The Radio, so keep listening. Hey, I'm Mike Kingston, the writer and creator of Headlocks. And I am WWE Hall of Famer Jerry the King Lawler. And guess what you're listening to? You're listening to It Came From The Radio! Hi, this is Aaron Gray from Buck Rogers in the 25th Century, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Now, back to our show. 
And I want to thank you really officially big up the concert. It was Mark Torres speaking in front of a live studio audience. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very excited live studio audience for our 65th live show courtesy of the East Melbourne Library. I'm here with Ellen Jenny Kelly. Good evening. And we're here with our special guest who we're going to be talking to and about, which is awesome because she's right here. Crochet Guru, Brittany Pleasant. Hello. So, Brittany, um, You've been on a show a long time ago. Yes. What have you been up to since then? Um, besides trying to put my life back together like everybody else. Yes, um, besides. <laughs> For what? What happened? <laughs> are, are there any buzzwords I can't say? I don't. I don't know. Everything is weird. About. So you can you can say anything that's PG related. Okay, I, I mean, in terms of just the, the the pandemic, everybody is is trying to trying to recover from that. Um, there there was a like during the during the lockdowns and stuff. Um, you know, everything everyone was quarantined. I wasn't able to go to shows. I wasn't able to you know sell my stuff. Um, everybody was you know locked down in their house. Um, so from that point, because of that, I decided, okay, it, it was, it was long overdue for me to, uh, move my business online. Uh, so list everything in my Etsy shop and stuff like that. Uh, so in quarantine, in the pandemic, everything, I was forced to move my business online. So that is, that is something that has been new in which since the last time I was on the show. Long run, that could be very fruitful. So that yeah, definitely. It was it was something that needed to happen anyway. Right. But it, I was forced into it because of yeah extenuating circumstances. Good. Did you find that you were able to be more creative during the pandemic, making those things? Because most because everything is handmade, right? Handcrafted, original, one of a kind. Even though you're making multiple, they're still handcrafted, right? Yeah, every every single thing is done by hand by most specifically my hands. Um, so yeah, I'm not able to uh, machine reproduce any of the crocheting. That's something that's that's just not a possibility right now. You can really only machine reproduce knit uh, products. Um, so yeah, everything I make is is definitely handmade. So, because, like I said, since you were locked down, did you find something more creative, making more stuff with your hands, or less creative because you have so much time in hand? I, I, don't know, I, I feel like I was probably more creative. A lot of new things were born. I don't know if it was necessarily because of the pandemic or, or just because I, I reached that point um, in my artistry where I was ready to, you know, like move past. So I don't, I don't know if it was specifically because I didn't have anything else to do, um, in terms of my crochet. Uh, but while I, I know everybody had like a, a quarantine project, most people, uh, you know, they, they learned how to bake. I know baking bread was kind of like a really, right. a really big thing for a lot of people. Uh, me, I decided to pick up digital art. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I now I have my own stickers and pin back buttons and stuff like that. So that was um, the way my creativity kind of like facilitated itself in, inside of the quarantine. That was like the, the new skill I decided to pick up. Um, well, crochet, knitting, and art can be kind of isolating. Um, do you find, have you found any ways to make it social, like a crochet group or 
maybe having a Zoom call or having people over, or is it mostly a solitary activity? Uh, for me personally, it is mostly a solitary activity. Um, I know there are uh, like knitting circles and crochet groups and stuff like that. Uh, that's something that I that I am interested in being a, a part of. Most recently, at, at the the last show I was at, um, just this past Saturday, the indie art show, um, I met a knitter person, a person who knits, and, and she was saying that you know we should totally have. A, a fiber arts group. So people who knit, people who crochet, mm-hmm. uh, people who do uh, cross stitch, just like anything like that, anything you know, creative in, in terms of fiber arts, mm-hmm. um, would just you know get together, hang out, shoot the breeze, and just yeah. you know be creative together. That's something that that I I am looking forward to. But uh, it is kind of an isolating thing for me, mm-hmm. and I. Honestly, don't mind it. Mm-hmm. I don't feel lonely when I'm when I'm creating. Um, I, I find it easiest to create new things when I am by myself. Yeah, me too. Do you have a dog or a cat keeping you company? I have yeah, a cat. Um, I recently moved into a, uh, a I, in my in my mom's house. She has this uh, basement area mm-hmm. that she recently renovated. Um, so I have claimed that as my studio of sorts uh and my cat doesn't really come down there too oh, often no. yeah when i bring him down he'll he'll be down there for maybe 20 minutes and then be like i want to leave now yeah a lot of animals don't like basement basements but i find that i can do workouts longer i can do editing longer if the dog is there it's like i could do it four times as long so that really helps that's like a productivity hack keep a dog around okay it's slightly different <laughs> with cats <laughs> Or the, they can also pull out their strings. Not a lot of cats like dental floss. I pull dental floss out and it's, you know, cat time. Oh, it's not, yeah, definitely, um, cats love playing with yarn. Yeah. Um, my cat, Azrael, he, he's pretty good with it. If I leave something unattended, kind of all bets are off. Mm-hmm. Uh, but otherwise when I'm there, he knows like not to mess with it. <laughs> so animals, you know, keep me going, get things done and, you have to have discipline and commit action. A lot of times when you don't want to, which you mentioned on your blog, that even when you don't feel like creating, you push yourself to create. So what are some ways that you stay motivated and just push yourself to keep going, even in hours and days when you don't want to? Or when you're sitting next to someone who ate a tray of garlic before a show. <laughs> Sorry. I did water pack. <laughs> I like this one, girl. Continue. Um, my, I, I have changed my methods a little bit, probably since I wrote that blog post, Mm -hmm. uh, blog post. I now, if I'm, if I'm crocheting, if I'm working, if I start to, to lose my, like, fire, if I start Mm -hmm. to lose my desire to do it, I, nine out of ten times, I will not force myself. Unless I have a deadline for something, you know, then that's kind of different. But just in the regular creative process, if I'm doing something and I kind of feel, okay, I'm I'm over this, I I need to take a break, I will take a break from it. And I will either work on a separate Mm -hmm. crochet project, Mm -hmm. or I'll start working, uh, I'll I'll work on some digital art and co-create or something like that. Um, I, I try to find a different type of creative outlet, mm-hmm. and I find that 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 
actually does work for me because then once I, I get past, you know, maybe I had a block or I was frustrated with something. Right. Um, once I have that time removed, I can go back to it with, you know, a clear head and mm-hmm. I can just like, oh, why didn't I see that in the first place? You know, something like that. Sometimes you really do need to take a step back, especially mm-hmm. if you're feeling, you know, if you're feeling frustrated, if you're feeling agitated, if you're feeling bored even, just take a step back and, and do something else. Right. It's balance between knowing when to break, and that's part of wisdom too, knowing when to take a break and when to push yourself. Yeah. Kind of a dance there. Because taking a break doesn't necessarily mean that you are no longer productive. In in most cases, sure. if you do not take a break, you will be less productive as the you know as a result. Mm-hmm. I want to take breaks all the time, so that's tough for me. So why crochet? Why not anything else to work with your hands? Needed to do, needed to feel it in your hands. So there's other things like clay, Legos, charcoal, drawing, painting. Why crochet? Honestly, I've kind of tried it all. Um, and so that's something that I, that I say to people if they're feeling that they haven't found what they love doing yet, just try, just mm-hmm. try everything. Mm-hmm. Try a new thing every week until you find something that speaks to you. And sometimes you need to revisit those creative outlets. Uh, years later because my mom taught me how to crochet when I was a kid. I was probably like 11 or 12 or something when I first picked up a crochet hook. Uh, and I tried to make little, uh, blankets for my, for my dolls and stuff. And it, it did not work out great for me. I tried making scarves for myself. It did not work out great. And I was like, okay, this is not what I'm meant to do. So I, you know, I went through other creative options. I, I did, you know, all sorts of stuff. I did pearl beads. Um, I, I did uh, the, the oven-baked clay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would paint wooden boxes and line them with felt on the inside and stuff. Like, I, I did I did everything. Um, and it wasn't until I was in my, I was, I believe, 20 or 21, something like that, I saw something called Anagrumi online, which is Japanese for small crochet doll. And I was like, that looks really awesome. I really, I wish I could do something like that. And I finally picked it up one day and I was like, okay, something clicked. Something clicked in my brain and I was like, this is, this feels right. This is what I want to do. So just try Try everything. If you if you have a desire to be creative in in one way, whether it's in art or music or or let's say uh, you know culinary art, something, anything like that, just try try everything until you find something that speaks to you. Mm-hmm. And it something may not be the right time to reach you. So when I when I was 11, 12, it wasn't my time yet. When I was 20, 21, that was my time to, to pick up crochet. So like, just always, don't, don't stop. Just always try new things. And you could have gotten a Razzie at 12 and then quit. Yes. Yes. So I could have. That and that would have, have that. that would have been so discouraging. Right. right. <laughs> so you, on your blog, it said that your husband helped to push you to get started with this. Why do you think you needed a push. I, I mean, I needed a push to get started in almost everything I've done. If there's someone whispering or multiple people 
try acting, try stand up, do tense everything has been, I think, inserted by somebody else. So why do you think we and you needed a little push and what helped you get started? I mean, everybody's different. I think some people are just born with drive and ambition and they will push themselves to do stuff. And mm-hmm. I think some people aren't. Mm-hmm. And then also, um, it has to do with the, uh, the environment that you grow up as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, as a child, I wasn't, I wasn't really pushed to do anything or to be anything. So I already was not the type of person to push myself forward and, you know, be ambitious. And then also my environment was not encouraging me to be like that. So I wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. My husband is one of those people. He's always been ambitious. He's always been driven. He's mm-hmm. That's just who he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it wasn't until I met him, he like, he encouraged me like, Hey, you can actually make something of this because I had no idea that I even could. I, I didn't know. So sometimes it really does take, um, an outside force mm-hmm. to open your eyes to an opportunity and to, to help push you, you know, forward into, you know, taking the steps yeah. to become something. Yeah. A lot of times, People see things in us that we don't see yet. Total strangers. And it's like, I feel like we have to pay attention to that. You don't want it, to, it's a dance between knowing when to tune out people and when to pay attention. But a lot of times people see things that don't exist yet and they might not even happen for 20 years. It's just an interesting thing. You don't have to consult a psychic. We're all a little intuitive. And people will give you little nudges of which direction to go or not go. Yeah, especially if it's a person who you know cares for you and does have your best interests at heart. Uh, those are the opinions that you, that you should be more likely to take as mm-hmm. opposed to, you know, just like John Everyman. Right. You know, with with their keyboard online, mm-hmm. you know, you, you don't want to listen to everyone, no. but the people who who actually do care for you and really do want what's best for you, I, I think it's it's worth it to at least mm-hmm. you know listen to to what they say. So my question, well, actually I have two questions. So first, um, you said your mom told you how to do crochet. What does she think of what you're doing now? I think she, I think she is very impressed with me. Um, she doesn't always say it all the time, uh, but I think, I think she, she really is impressed with what I have, like the, where I have built myself to. And she understands that I, I built all of it for myself. So I think, I think she, she really is impressed mm-hmm. by that, even if she doesn't say it all the time. I'm impressed. Thank you. <laughs> What's some of the weirder or stranger pieces that you've done? I saw that you made cacti, multiple cactuses. That was pretty cool. Um, yeah, any strange characters? I, I think that that was probably a while ago. I, I made a bunch of cactuses in, in little clay pots, I believe. I think I said something like a cactus army or something. Really cool. Approaching like um, plants. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not sure if I, I've had people 
asks me to make things that I haven't actually made Mm -hmm. because, you know, they're crazy. Like someone makes me like a a life-size doll of someone. I don't know. Oh no, just, it, it was, I, it wasn't a serious request, I yeah. think. Uh, but those are some crazy things. So that's why when people say like, oh, what can you make? I say, mm-hmm. I can make pretty much anything mm-hmm. you ask me mm-hmm. to within reason. I have to use that. Those so where do you draw the line? Yeah, what's yeah, too much? As long as you're not if the amount of time that it will take me to make it, you know, like it's, it has to, it all has to balance out. Uh, but one of my, one of my favorite things that somebody asked me to make, um, was prison Mike okay. from The Office. Okay. I don't know if you, if you watch The Office, but one of his characters, he was, he was, he called himself Prison Mike, and, and he came in wearing, like, a bandana on his head or something like that. Um, that was probably the most interesting and one of my most favorite things, uh, commissions for someone, and, and he came out looking awesome. Would you do a Putin or Hitler or Trump or Hillary doll, any of those? Or would I you mean, say doll? I mean, maybe, maybe not Hitler, um, but... <laughs> Could be positive in a way. positive. I don't know about that. You can light on fire. You know. I'm trying to find out her limits. I want to know the limits. Very, very tight. She's very tight knit on the limits. It's very interesting. It's very interesting. Don't worry, I won't push it behind. I'm sorry. Everything is done by hand. Yes. But you do multiples of the same thing. So how do you keep it consistent with each time and yet each one is a unique piece of art? I mean, I, I do write a pattern for, for every doll that, that I make. I do write a pattern down. So when I, uh, revisit, you know, making them again, I follow the same exact pattern. Um, so everything is consistent in that way. Uh, but otherwise, you know, little tiny things here and there, you know, like I have two of the same doll, you look at them and they, they do look different. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, it's, it's not a, an exact science over here. Um, but I, I do just say that everything is one of a kind, even if I am re- reproducing the same exact doll from the same exact pattern that I previously made, it is one of a kind mm-hmm. because they will always look different. So, like your children, which one's your favorite? You can't pick one. Honestly, I don't think I can pick a favorite. <laughs> so, when you make something and you decide that this is the idea I want to make, you have pieces left over. I remember from the last time you were here, you mentioned that you have bags and bags of different pieces that you just kind of make, have an idea, you put aside, and then you come back to later on. Do you still have that large library of just bits and arms and legs and hats and stuff that you put together? Or is that all you mm-hmm. think of? Okay, I do have, um, I have myriad started projects. Projects that I start, but never actually finish. Hmm. And, uh, recently when I, when I moved all of my, um, art stuff into the, uh, into my mom's basement, I, found stuff that I hadn't seen in, you know, seven to ten years or <laughs> whatnot. 
Uh, and I, I find, I found these, these started projects and I can't really finish them because my, my skill and technique has improved so vastly mm-hmm. that I wouldn't be, you know, I would have to start over. You couldn't match entirely. what you already did. Yeah, it, it wouldn't, it just wouldn't look right. Hmm. Well, maybe sometimes wrong is right. You never know. I mean, everything that I do, even projects that I that I started and never finished, it was it was usually like a jumping off point mm-hmm. to something else. So I didn't. So let's say I started with project A. I didn't actually finish project A, but that sparked an idea for project right. B, C, right. D, E. You know, like all all of those. So I would say that even the unfinished stuff that I have, nothing. Nothing is really a waste right. because it's practice mm-hmm. one way or another, or sometimes you need to get to a certain point to, to bring you to, you know, like a great idea. Definitely. You can have a good idea and it's like, oh, actually, let me build off of this and then it becomes something great. Right, just being involved. Can't wait for the perfect time or the perfect idea. So yeah. Artists often want the audience to experience specific feelings or they want to trigger specific thoughts. What thoughts or feelings do you hope your audience experiences while looking at your art? I just want people to look at my art and feel happy. Mm-hmm. I got that. Um, at the the last show I did, uh, the indie art show, um, someone saw one. I think it was it was actually a, a little little fox that I have right here. Um, he saw it and he said that it reminded him so much of a fox that he had as a kid, a, a fox doll. Uh, and, and he just like, he just kept, he latched onto it and he was like, wow, that like, that really makes me feel great. Um, so that kind of, that's like kind of an encapsulation of, of what I hope to get from people. I want people to look at my art and I want them to feel you know, happy first and foremost. I want, pe- I, I, I love when people come to my table and they're like, oh my God, it's so cute. I can't mm-hmm. even, I, I really honestly love that feedback. Um, but if I could incite some sort of just happiness and nostalgia of mm-hmm. a simpler time, you know, like mm-hmm. when, when you think of when you were a kid and your favorite doll, that, that was a simpler time. Mm-hmm. It was, mm-hmm. it was so much easier to be happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of what I, what I want to incite in people. I want people to look at myself. I want to make them happy. I want to make them feel nostalgic. Um, and in best case scenario, I would hope to, uh, inspire them to, to create their own thing in, you know, whatever capacity that is. That is kind of, I just want to inspire creativity in, in anybody who looks at my work. Yeah, you did for me. I think you're doing it. Thank you. Now, you said that you do a pattern, that you have a pattern on making things. When you start an idea, do you draw it down first? Do you make the pattern first? Or just something in your head, you just make it, and then reverse engineer your pattern out of it? I kind of do both. It really depends. If it's something... uh very much like unlike anything else that I've done, I do try to try to sketch it out so I can, you know, at least figure out, okay, this is kind of the, the way I want the body to look. This is the, the size comparison, you know, from the head in terms of the body. 
Um, so sometimes it, it does help for me to sketch it out, but other times I, I kind of just just fly off the cuff. Sometimes I see it in my head. Sometimes I'm able to completely see it in my head and just go from there. Other times I do need to, you know, consolidate what what I feel it needs to look like. Does it always come out the way you envision it in your mind when you see the finished product? It is rare. It is very rare. Sometimes it does. Sometimes I will, I'll grab a doll, you know, I'll finish a doll, and I'll go to my husband and be like, look at this, it's amazing. It is exactly what I saw in my head. Exactly. Uh, but sometimes, sometimes it's different. And it, maybe that's just what it was meant to be. Like not, not everything goes 100% according to plan, and that's in everything in life. Mm-hmm. On the same lines, uh, any creator, an artist, always, uh, I've talked to many uh, writers, actors, they always say that sometimes when you're creating something, it takes a life on its own. Is that something true with also your products, that you're making it and then it becomes a life on its own and it becomes turned into something completely different? I mean, yeah, that, that has happened. Um, yeah, so, so like I say, not everything goes according to plan. There, there have been a few projects that I've, I've started and it's like, this is going in a completely different direction, but yeah, I can work with this and then I kind of just like lean into that. So being an artist, it's, it's about, you know, feeling the inspiration. It's about, you know, getting a spark, an idea in your head, trying your hardest to, you know, to, create it, whatever, whatever it is, but sometimes it goes, you know, completely out of left field, and, mm-hmm. and you kind of have to, you know, lean into it and roll with the punches sometimes. Any plans to make videos of them? Maybe string them up with dental floss and have them engage in fights or play dates or dental appointments? <laughs> The fox goes to get his teeth cleaned. I, I don't have any plans for anything I like that. If I had access to these, they'd be going on all sorts of dental floss adventure, puppet games. I think, I think stop motion would definitely be interesting. Right? Um, I, I don't think I have the patience for that. Mm, okay. I know so many people look at my dolls and they're like, I don't have the patience for that. I don't think I have the patience for the people who do stop motion. Right. Like, I applaud them. <laughs> So we are at social media So Where do people find out more about yourself? On Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. Where can buy stuff? We're gonna hire you from the give you commissions. All the information you can go. Uh, you can find me on my website, first and foremost, theartisansnook.com. I'm also on Instagram, at theartisansnook. And I do sell my uh, dolls on Etsy. So you can look for my shop. My shop is called The Artisans Nook. So when you send stuff, because they're very light, right? I would imagine that the shipping is very cheap. Uh, yeah, as as cheap as possible. Honestly, go by weight, so you, you squish them all in there. And get them it small it does go by weight, um, but unfortunately, a lot of like starting off point, the, the lowest weight. If it's not a flat envelope. Uh, otherwise it's like a, a package or a parcel. I think it, it starts off at, at like $4.99. So I, I try to keep my shipping costs as low as possible, but honestly I have to go with, you know, like what the industry standard is. And what kind of pricing would you say is your range for a commission piece? 
typically when people ask for permission, they ask for um, one of one of my four and a half inch dolls, uh, the the character doll types. Those start at forty five dollars. Uh, so for you know characters that that you don't uh, you know that you're that you love, cartoon characters, superheroes, whatever. Um, also uh, original characters or, or anything like that. I've made dolls in likenesses of people. Uh, so yeah, the the four and a half inch character dolls they start at forty five and they go up based on you know how much detail and what needs to go in there. Mm-hmm. Did you have any other questions before we get to our final question? Sure. If you're gonna do one of a person, you ever try to make the person look more attractive in your rendition than in real life, or do you try to make them look worse if they're real nasty? I mean, I ever happened. I don't know if, if my dolls. It's <laughs> <laughs> like if you're gonna make one of me, and you're like, listen, this girl smelled like garlic the whole time. I didn't like her questions, so you're gonna give me like a big nose, which is you know seen as not attractive, you know, and like a, maybe an extra long jawline. I don't know. Has it ever crossed your mind? To I I don't really have too much room for <laughs> artistic you know creativity like mm, that when it okay. comes to my dolls. Mm. Um, pretty much what I do. Um, especially if I if I need to to come up with a doll in the likeness of a person, um, I try to focus on the the most blatant characteristics. So the the color of the hair, the hairstyle, um, the let's say maybe your favorite clothes or something something like that. I don't really like my dolls don't really have jaw lines or anything like that, so I can't I can't really do stuff like that. Uh, but you know, I, I try to you know think of like caricatures, the, the most you know the the type of uh, whatever sticks out most, make them most recognizable. So that's kind of how I work. Right. Okay. All right. So uh, Brittany was nice to uh, give us a uh, What is this class that we're going to be doing out for this uh, show? Uh, it is a little star keychain. So you make keychains, you make dolls. What else do you make? That's cute. Um, that's, that's pretty, cool. okay, I, I, since, you know, my, my COVID project, uh, I, I do have, uh, sticker sheets and pin back buttons, I also have prints, uh, and stuff like that, otherwise, in terms of the crochet dolls, they're basically just, just dolls, some people, um, they'll hang them from their lamp, from the, the little switch on their lamp, some people use them as rear view mirror hangs in their car. Um, Christmas tree ornaments, you know. Oh yeah, the ornaments. Alright, so everybody has their ticket with them? Yeah! Yeah, I'll make it. 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 I'll Come on down. Get your prize. Come on down. Get your prize. Come on down. Run down. Get your prize. That's for you. There you go. Thank you for coming. Make sure you come. Make sure you come. Make sure you come to the next live show. Super cute. On May, March, March the next week, March the 8th, and we'll be in contact with that coordinator, Kelly Orton. He's going to be in charge of the NCON, which is in the Eastmore Photo Library. He's going to be on the SBR 66 live, so make sure you guys do that. Make sure you also go to www.com.
that um, each note that handles a ton and ton and ton of a free programming they have in the library. So we want to have some final thoughts for Brittany. Do you have any final thoughts for us? Yeah. <laughs> uh, my final thoughts are honestly all I want in life is, is to inspire other people to be creative, whether they want to, to pick up crocheting or knitting or, you know, needlepoint, anything like that, or if they want to learn how to cook or if they want to learn how to play piano, anything like that. I just really hope for everyone in the world to pursue something creative. Uh, that's, honestly, I really just want to inspire. You never know who you're inspiring to steal your artwork. <laughs> so stay vigilant, stay aware, because you never know who's coming after you. So that's it for this week on Right here, any of you radio stations, you miss any part of the show. Top. Go to our website, www.camfairy.com. Um, archives of the week or so. Make sure to listen to our show on YouTube, uh, Twitter, all the other fun places. And uh, we're going to be back next month for our next live show. It's our 66 live show, courtesy of EastNell.Wider. It's www.eastnell.info. We're going to have the NCON event coordinator, Kelly Gordon, will be our guest. So thank you very much. And we'll see you next time. You have been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station. We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast.